Amen. So I'm going to pick up where I started that one Sunday, and I saw it was 11:30, and I need I passed it off to Richard. Then, and so I'm just going to pick up on this Second Chronicles 7:14, and this was the scripture verse that you know when they had the gathering together on the Wednesday night in prayer. This was the scripture verse that they used, and it was so on my heart, and it's even been more so on my heart since I've been looking at it, you know, in preparation for today. And it's just, uh, to me, I've, I've just been so encouraged with revival coming. Now, you have to want revival, you know. Everybody has to want revival. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying there has to be a heart towards revival because there may not um, um, we may we may be the pocket of revival, or New York may be a pocket of revival, or both of us, you know. So we have to understand that revival, God wants revival, and it's up to us. It's up to us. God isn't just going to, oh, today's the day for revival. Here you go. <laughs> it isn't going to work that way. And so that's what's that's what's really exciting about it. We have a part we have to play. Say, I have to. I have to play a part in revival. Okay, so that scripture verse, Second Chronicles. Did I give that to you already? 7.14. 7.14. If my people, that's you guys. If my people who are called by my name, this is out of the Amplified, shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Amen? I think it's worth putting that before you every morning when you get up. That's, that's, that's what God wants to do to bring revival, to bring revival. So that's what we need to do. We need to be obedient to his word says. And before I forget, I wanted to just go on. I want to share a little bit with Antonio. We'll be back. And I shared with him um, an idea that I had concerning reaching. Um, You'll laugh at this, but um, I shared this idea with him because I said, Antonio, I said, you take groups to Mexico and minister groups down there. I said, why don't you bring a group here? Can you bring a group here? I mean, and and bring a group here and reach. After all, this is Mexico here. You know what I mean? So bring a group. So I think he just lit up when I said that to him. So he may be bringing a group of people. I'm not sure when that will happen, but it's exciting, you know, because I'm going, that's got to be God. You know, when I heard that, you know, the Lord just, just uh, dropped that in my heart before I met with him before he left. And I said, what do you think about that, Antonio? Can you bring a group? He says, well, there's a couple of people in, in I think it was Peru, Brazil, there's, they've been wanting to come and it's okay. Okay, we'll, we'll take them in. We'll, we'll have them. We'll have a great big, everybody we've reached through that two-week period. We'll have a big um, dinner in the park and a meeting and just have a great time uh, encouraging those people that got born again. Amen? we got to do something, guys. We can't just sit every Sunday in church and then wait for the next Sunday. We have to start doing something to reach this community. That's one reason the fundraiser, Lynette's not up here, but the fundraiser has got to do with, um, we contacted the school system, and I told you that they, they're they saying the clothes is one of the major things they need. So the clothes are going to be separate, but we're going to also make available for gloves and, and uh 
uh, hats and underwear and socks are all major things they need too. So we're setting up a, um, a kind of a, a carnival type thing that will have inflatables. We're trying to do that. And they will get tickets to do these things, but they'll bring these donations then. Those donations will be spread out amongst schools and, and schools that need it. So that's something we're getting ready to do in September, and we're going to need all your help, <laughs> really, because we're going to serve hot dogs and chips for free and just want to reach into the community and uh, let them know we're about doing something for the Lord. Amen? Okay, so let's read this again. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So the first thing you see there, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves will humble themselves, meaning to make humble or lowly in mind, to get rid of pride, pride, to reduce arrogance and self-dependency, to make weak and submissive to the divine will of God. Amen. We're so dependent upon finances. We're so dependent upon our jobs. We're so dependent upon so many things that we don't see. A lot of people don't see the need for God. A lot of people don't see the need for revival. And I can tell you, I can tell you, we the church again has become complacent. I'm not talking about us. The church at large has become complacent again. They feel the pressure for a while from stuff going on in the world. And, they, and they'll gather to pray and they'll gather to do something. But then they become complacent and ho-hum. And this is okay. I can handle this. This is not a problem. But, you know, every time Israel had their back up against the wall, and everything was, was going wrong. What did they do? What did, huh? Turned about? Turned to God. Yeah, they prayed. They prayed and they sought the Lord. They sought the Lord. They repented. And that's what the church needs to do. That's what we need to do. Okay? And prayer is not, well, we'll get to prayer in just a minute, but, uh, to make humble or lowly in mind, to get rid of pride, reduce its call. It's the, the church needs to cry out to God. I want change in my life, change in the situation that I'm in, change. In, and it takes crying out to God. Prayer isn't just, Father, I just want to thank you for everything you've done. Um, please, would you do this for me? I give you praise. Amen. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is talking to God, but it's got to have a fervent heart. It's got to have that heartfelt prayer like Elijah had when he prayed in the rain. That heartfelt prayer. Amen. It's got to have that. That prayer has to be heartfelt. James uh, 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or it's miraculous and it's working. But it has to be effective and it has to be fervent. And you know when um, Elijah was praying that rain in, he just didn't stand there and say, God, please, could you get it to rain again? I know you took it away. Could you get it to do it again? No, he got down on his knees and he crouched and he, come, and he birthed that rain in. It's an agonizing thing, just like Jesus did in the garden. 
Jesus was in agonizing prayer, so much agonizing prayer that the blood drops of blood came out of his head. Agonizing prayer. It's got to take that kind of prayer, that agonizing, travailing prayer for this revival to come. Everybody understand that? You know what I'm talking about? It's got to take that. Now, you, you, I know some of you may have never heard that. You hear me do it sometimes on a Sunday morning, the travailing prayer. Not so much birthing, but travailing. But it's going to take that. We've we got to pray these souls into the kingdom. Everything takes place in the spirit realm first. So that's why, that's why the need for prayer. Everything takes place there first before it comes here. Do you understand that? I can use Josh as an example, can't I? Josh, we prayed for him on, I know Marilyn prayed a lot for him, and you probably were too. We prayed for him on a Wednesday night, and it was a good, gut-wrenching, intercessory prayer. And I knew that night, I knew that I knew that I knew we had the victory. We had the victory in the spirit realm, and then it manifested in the natural. It manifested in the natural. So it was probably six months later. Six months. Six months. That's why you can't give up when you pray and intercede for something. You can't give up if you don't see it in the next five minutes like you see your hamburgers. You know? And then people get upset because the hamburgers aren't there in five minutes. I mean, really. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, so, so prayer. Intercede. You intervene. And every, every, every great move of God and every move of God, I run across a website that I did not know there were so many revivals everywhere over the centuries, over the years. But it lists all of them, and you can open them up. You can see where they happen. You can get the basic details of each one. And it was so exciting. I didn't know there had been that many. But every great revival, every revival had to start with prayer. It had to start with prayer. Everyone, every one of them. It didn't just happen. It started with prayer. It didn't just come. God didn't just bring it and, and set it down in here's revival. It all, it had to start with prayer and had to start with that effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Charles Finney used that scripture verse. And you know, he, he, um, Father Nash and there's another guy, I think, something already clay or something like that. I got it wrote down, but two of them would go into the towns before Charles Finney would get there. But Charles Finney said that scripture verse in James five sixteen was so important, so important. And, and a lot of people then started using that scripture verse after they saw the results that Finney got with revival. They started that brought other revivals in, but anyway, father Nash um, and this other guy would go into town probably three weeks ahead of Charles Finney coming. They would go into town and they would try to get a place. I mean, I think it was a quarter a night, 25 cents a night you could stay in these places that we're talking years ago. But anyway, they would stay in these places and um, uh, they would have like three weeks ahead of time. And sometimes they would not even leave their room for three days in a row they were in a place of fasting, but they were probably in a place of breaking through into what they knew was a place of victory where, where God was going to move. And so there'd be three days and they'd be 
face, if you looked in on them, they were on the floor, face down, groaning and travailing, groaning and travailing, and birthing in what God wanted done in that particular city. And see, the the thing with that, there was one, one time they were, I don't know what city they were in, but the lady said to Charles, she says, are you sure you guys are okay? I hear them groaning all the time up there. Are they not well? <laughs> he says, no, they're just travailing, you know, just travailing. And so, so anyway, it's, 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 it's important that prayer happens if we want revival. I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. Prayer has to happen if we want revival. And you know, like we looked in Acts, prayer has to be that united one accord, one heart. We're all locked into we want revival. We're all locked into we want to see souls saved. We're all locked in to seeing people delivered. We're all locked in to seeing the church stop backsliding and come back to the knowledge of God. We're all locked into that. That should be our heart cry when we come together for prayer. And prayer has to happen. It's that united, that fervent, united, that united prayer that needs to happen. One accord, one purpose, one heartbeat. Amen? It has to be there. Okay, so every great move of God, every great move of God started with prayer. I'm, I'm, whether we're talking about Azusa Street or we're talking about um, on the Indian Nations or we're talking about wherever, we're, wherever there was revival, it all started with prayer. Okay, so um, uh, let's see here. I'm going to stay on prayer for a little bit here. Um, uh, prayer. You'll have you'll have more hunger for prayer when you pray. Does that make sense? Prayer brings prayer. Prayer. When you start praying, I know if I just sit down and I pray in the spirit, then pretty soon, I'm, oh man, an hour. That's not bad. I'll go another hour. You know what I mean? Or prayer on Wednesday nights. So prayer, one, one, you know, I've, I gained more understanding on the need to do an hour of praying before we actually pray. When you come in and sit down on a, on a Wednesday night and you pray in the spirit for a while, it's getting your flesh out of the way because we can be, we can pray more effectively if our flesh isn't hollering at us, well, you didn't eat something today or our flesh isn't hollering at us like, you really need to get that bill paid. You know, there's all kinds of things that come up in your face when you sit down to pray in your prayer language or pray in the spirit. All kinds of things to get you to deter off of that. So what you need to do is not only not only get that time to pray in the spirit, but that motivates you, causes you to be hungry to pray and intercede for the loss. It causes your heart to be broken. It causes a, a change in your heart. In the Azusa Street Revival, the people there were so, um, um, their hearts were so broken and they were so, not broken bad, I'm talking about, they were broken to the point where they were so sensitive, if they, if they missed it in any way, they were repenting. They were repenting because of the sin in their life. They were wanting to be so right with the Lord because you know, if you're, if you take a balloon and you stick a bunch of holes in it, is it going to hold any air or water? No. See, if we have, if we have a little bit of sin, it steals our power. 
you don't think about it that way, but you got sin in your life. It steals your power. You don't have the, the full force of power that you would have if you're walking right with the Lord. You understand what I mean? Now, I'm not saying you can't walk right. You can't walk with the Lord. You can do that. That's what they were doing in Azusa. They were doing what they knew to do. But the minute their hearts were so sensitive to the sin, the minute they recognized there was a sin area, they repented and dealt with it. And that gave them more of the presence of the Lord, more power and more ability to walk. Amen. Amen. Prayer is a big thing. Prayer is a big thing. I hope I'm not boring you, but it is a big thing in bringing in the revival. Say prayer Prayer. is a big thing. Prayer Prayer. is important. It's important to me. It's important to to the people that I know that that aren't saved. saved. Prayer Prayer. is important important. for revival revival. to to happen. Okay. So, um... Revivals have always begun with united and extraordinary prayer. Um, and I've talked to you before about praying out what you hear when you're in prayer. You pray in the spirit. You pray and you hear what God is saying to you. Then you pray that out in English. You, you do that. You do that in English. And you pray God's perfect will in the situation. Amen. And, and, and prayer is fun. Say prayer, prayer. is fun. I love it. I want to do it. I want to do it more. It's great fun. Anytime I can pray and I follow the Holy Spirit in prayer and the places I go, it's fun. (laughs) Amen. It is fun, guys. Okay. Okay. So, um, Let's, uh, I talked a little bit about that. I've been skipping through my notes already. It's not good. Okay, that's good. Um, I told you already about those guys. Okay, let's look at um, Isaiah, please, 66 8. Um, let's see, I've got to leave that open. Isaiah 66 8. We're, and you know, I talked to you about the spirit of travail. I want you to see that it is. Um, it is relevant in the word. It's not just something I made up so that you can think that's uh, a fancy term for prayer. It's not a fancy term for prayer. Isaiah 66, 8. 66, 8. Okay, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a lamb be born in a day? Yes, yes. Can a nation be brought forth all at once? Yes. How is that? How does that happen? How does a nation come forth all at once? How is a land brought forth in a day? How is that? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> huh? Through, huh? God, through prayer. Through prayer. See that travailing prayer? It's all done in the spirit realm, and then it can happen just like that. In a day, a nation can be brought forth. Okay? As soon as Zion travails, Zion is who there? Who's Zion? The church. Thank you, Jeff. As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. As soon as the church travailed, she brought forth her sons. 
Amen? Okay, so so uh, I want you to see that word travail there. Also, Nehemiah. Let's look at Nehemiah, please. Chapter, oh, we're going to chapter 1. Uh, And uh, this has got to do with, this is another term, and anguish. You know, when you're in intercession or prayer and intercession, you feel the anguish um, or you sense the anguish, especially if you're standing in the gap for somebody, you pick up the anguish that's going on with them or the anguish. God, God can be that way. God can have that going on. Do you know he doesn't like what's going on? He doesn't like what's going on in our country. He doesn't like that the church has slipped backwards. He doesn't like that. That grieves him. That's anguish. And so um, in Nehemiah 1, 3 and 4, it says, And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So he had just gotten a report about what was going on there. Now it came about when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I don't know if King James uses anguish. He was in anguish. But he wept and prayed for days and he was fasting, crying out to God in anguish. Okay? Um, let's look at First Samuel 15. Please. So is anybody seeing the importance of prayer to bring revival? We can't just hope it. We can't hope it to happen. We cannot hope it to happen. First Samuel fifteen eleven is again. I I regret that I have made Saul king. It's of course Samuel talking, for he has turned back from following me. I mean, uh, Saul's or Samuel's repeating that, and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. He was in distress. And cried out to the Lord all night. When I have gotten bothered in my inner man, if you understand the witness of the Spirit, you can be grieved, you can be sad, you can, you can be in anguish, you can there can be all kinds of things. When I feel that bother here, I sit down and I, I start praying. Sometimes I pray just in my prayer language to get to a place of what the Lord's trying to tell me is going on. Once he tells me, then I can, I can, I yield over to the Holy Spirit and I take hold together with him and we groan into travail and we bring a change in what that situation was. And you understand? This is all new to explain, but you know, I really believe um, the church at large is going to have to get this stuff. I believe the church at large is going to have to learn how to travail and groan to bring revival in. Does that make sense to everybody? I may be foreign to you if you just pray in tongues. It, it may be foreign if you've never done that. But the church is going to have to start doing more of it. I, I mean, I'm serious. And, and, and the church has got to get that aggressive prayer going, the heartfelt prayer, the one accord. I want this more than anything else to happen. It's got to be that heartfelt aggressive when I sit down and pray with somebody and they tell me the need and it lines up with the will of God, my heart immediately is aggressive after 
the thing that needs to change. I go, I go a whole, I, I yield to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I get a hold of that and I pray it until I get a victory. I pray it until I get a victory. That's why some of these things we've been reading, the guys were travailing for Charles Finney um, uh, for three days without fasting. That's why it sometimes it takes a while in the spirit realm to get a victory. To get, I know that I know that I know I broke through into a place of victory. Does that make sense? So once you get a hold of the uh, Holy Spirit and you pray for a situation, do you know what? That situation changes. I don't care if a situation looks terrible, looks absolutely opposite of the word of God. If you have the word of God and a promise on that situation, you can take hold together with the Holy Spirit and change it. You can change it. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it time and time again. Change it. You have to have that knowledge. You have to have that heart. I am not letting go. I'm not going to stop praying. I know the word of God on this and I'm going to stand firm with it until what I know is God's will manifests in Jesus name. It doesn't matter if it takes a year, two years, 10 years, whatever. It doesn't matter if, if I know it's the Lord, it's going to change. Amen. Okay. So we have to, um, we have to, um, uh, let's see, did we read First Samuel fifteen eleven? Did we do that, guys? Okay. Um, cried to the Lord all night. Okay, Luke eleven, please. Let's go to that one. And I could have given you um, a lot more chap, a lot more places in the Word, but these are some that were just a Luke eleven five. <clears throat> and and it's this, it's that persistent prayer that needs to happen. Suppose one of you shall have a friend and you shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he shall answer and say, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, underlying persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be open. Amen? Amen. So that's that persistence that has to be in that place of travail. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the enemy, a lot of times when you take a hold of something in prayer and intercession, will make it look worse after you start praying. But that's not when you give up. You just know you've got the victory. You don't ever give up when it looks worse. If you know, the only reason you give up is because you don't know on the inside of you that it's God's will. If you don't know it's not God's will, then you better get before God again and find out. The only way we can have revival anyway is if we know what God's will is. I mean, I can stand and tell you here. I mean, I can, I can tell you. I can stand here and tell you. <laughs> I can tell you that God's will is revival. I can tell you that. I know that. I know that's what he's, he wants. 
But if you don't know that, then you need to have a relationship with the Lord and find out yourself. (laughs) It's really that simple. And when you find that out, then you've got faith to believe God for revival. You have faith to believe God for revival. And it's revival in, in the schools that you're in. How would you like it, Caden, if somebody just came up to you? Five people come up to you because you've been praying interceding. First day of school, they come up. I, there's something different about you. W- what is it? I, I, I want that too. I want Jesus. Is it Jesus? I want Jesus. Hey, that can happen. I believe that's what we're going to see in revival. But we're going to have to get get busy and pray. We're going to have to unite ourselves in prayer. Amen. Amen. And it can't be the it can't be the pussyfoot kind of prayer. Can't be that. Can't be that. It's going to have to be the groaning, travailing, the gut wrenching prayer. It's got to be that. I, I'm I'm sorry. I I know I do that, but that's where I know it works. It works. Amen. Okay. Now there was the two sisters, in the in the. I want to say Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrews, Hebrews, but it's Hebrids, 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 something like that. They were, they were the two sisters that were somehow connected with President Trump. Anyway, they were 82 and 84. One of them was blind and they were both very arthritic, but they prayed. And that's, they were praying for the revival to come. And, and they never went to any of the services, just like Father Nash didn't either. Their job was to pray and to pray in the revival for that, that area. That's what God was talking to them about. So I don't care if you say you're 82 and you're retired. <laughs> you're not retired. You can pray. You can pray. You can pray if you're just in a rocking chair. You can pray. Anyway, I don't know. I'm go there. Um, so they prayed continually and they would have visions. They would have visions of what the Lord was wanting a revival or they were warnings and they would pray against those and they would pray. And that's how that revival happened. All revivals have had people that have prayed and brought them in. Amen. Okay. So, so prayer needs to be from the heart of the father. Um, and we talked about finding out what that is by spending time in his presence and see, God has the, he has the key for this place. See, the key that we get, now I'm not talking about this place. I'm talking about this area of the country. He has the key to unlock revival here. It may not be the same key that's in New York. You got to understand that. It's different parts of the country. Different parts of the country, you're dealing with different strongholds, different demonic influences, So the key for here is not the same key for New York. The key for here is not the same key for Tulsa. The key for here is not the same key for Los Angeles. It's not the same. But see, God's got a plan. He's got a key and he knows how to break in. You know what I mean? And that's going to be through people that are given to intercession and given to prayer. They're going to be able to break into it. All right? Okay, so God has a plan for here. But it's going to take us getting before God finding out what that is, and then doing it. Amen? Doing it, okay? So if the church doesn't pray, just picture. Some of you, I think, have had this vision. I know I have. But if the church isn't praying, picture all of this whole next generation going to hell. That's where they're headed. If the church doesn't start praying pretty soon, this next generation is headed to hell. And that, that, 
that should that should um, kick you enough to get you going, praying, and believing God and doing what you know to do. Okay, um, we talked about James five sixteen. We can go to. Um, let's see. Did we do that? Just a minute here, folks. Uh, I gotta check. See, I've been. I've been just not going with my notes, so I don't know if we did the scripture verse or not. Just send me one for Chelsea. Okay, let's go to First Samuel 1. First Samuel 1, please. Then we'll move on to some more of that scripture verse. First Samuel 1. And the men of Kirath Jerem came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinab. Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came about from the day that the ark remained at Kareth Jerem that the time was long, for it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel. Um, if you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the... Um, Ashtaroth from among you and dis- and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So see what they had to do to bring revival? They had to do that. They had to repent. They had to turn back to the Lord. They had their back up against the wall and so they, they were able to do that. You can go ahead and read on through that if you want to. But I want to go back to... Um, our, our original scripture verse here in Second um, Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek and crave and, and require of necessity my face. Seek after, seek to search out by worship or prayer, spend time with him. If you seek after him, he's going to talk to you about what needs to change and what needs, what sin is in your life. He's going to talk to you about dealing with it. If you just have a relationship with the Lord, if you spend time worshiping, he will, he will reveal to you what's going on. You don't have to dig for it. You don't have to hunt for it. You don't have to spend hours crying out to God. If you just have a relationship with him and, um, he'll shine a light on your sin. Amen. And, um, there's different examples. You remember, I think I talked about Ziglag and David and Ziglag and how they stole all the families and caused such a disruption there. And the men wanted to stone David. Well, what did David do? Did he go crawl in the corner and cry? Huh? He sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. He found out what the Lord wanted him to do, and then he did it. I mean, they were wanting to kill him too, and he'd already lost his wives and family. And um, so the Lord told him what to do, and he did it. And everything was restored back, but he took time to seek the Lord. Amen? And um, uh, Daniel was another one. You know, Daniel took time. He took time to um, find out um, what the Lord wanted, was saying in the word that came to him. And that's Daniel ten twelve. He set his heart to understand what the Lord was saying. Okay. So, uh, and then it goes on to say here, turn from these wicked ways. Turn. What does that mean? 
turn from the wicked ways. Repent. Repent means to repent. So what does repent mean? The word turn is a big clue. What does the word repent mean? Yeah, thank you. It means to turn around and go a different direction. How hard is that when you're in sin? (laughs) How hard is that to say, nope, nope, I'm not going that way. I'm going this way now. How hard is that? When you know when the Lord has revealed something to you, stop it and turn the other way. Otherwise, you're going to lose. You're letting the enemy steal your power. You're letting the enemy take what power you have and and steal it from you. And so you need to, to deal with that. Okay, so turn, repent, and go a different direction. Okay, and then it says, this is, is, this is key. My face and turn from their wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. Ooh, that sounds like it's really bad. If you've killed somebody, you turn from your wicked ways, right? Huh? <laughs> Wicked ways, it's anything that doesn't line up with the word of God. If God's told you to do something and you're not obedient to it, it's a wicked way. You understand? Wicked ways, turn from your wicked ways. If you're spending, and God's talked to you about spending too much time in, the, in front of the TV and you don't do it, you just keep doing it. You just keep doing it and you disobey God. Wouldn't you say that was a wicked way? You're not obeying God? If God's asked you to go, um, let's say, to stop um, a certain sin in your life. See, there's things that God will tell you to stop doing that's not sin to me. You understand what I mean? But if if he's told you to stop it, then you need to do it. You need to stop the sinning. You need to stop it, even if it's something that's not, you don't find it in the word. But if he knows, I'll use the sugar since Richard brings that up all the time. And that's one of my areas too. Um, if I, if I do too much sugar, I do, I hear about it. The Lord tells me about it because I have to, I've been told to stop. I've been told to stop it. So if I keep doing it, it becomes a sin. So when I've eaten too much sugar, what do I need to do? Hmm? Repent. I need to repent and deal with it because it became sin to me to know the right thing to do and not do it. The word says is sin to know the right thing to do and not do it is to know the right thing to do and not do it is. So we need to repent. It's a wicked way. We need to repent from those things. And that's why it's so important that we spend time in relationship with the Lord. Like I said earlier, we spend time in relationship with the Lord. We're going to hear those things. Oh, you had too much sugar. Oh, you're right, Lord, I did. (laughs) I'm sorry, I repent. (laughs) For me, that's almost daily. But anyway, (laughs) I, I, I need to repent. And then I back off and go a different direction. And, um, so anyway, those things that you know that God's told you and you're still doing them. He's told you they're wrong. You need to deal with it. Those are still wicked ways that cause you to lose power. Does that make sense? It, it should make sense to all of you. It should make sense. See, that's one thing that's going to have to happen. The church has to get cleaned up. The church has to deal with the wicked ways and repent 
and get in a different direction. Because see, then our prayers become like James 5.16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man is miraculous in its working. I would encourage you to write that out. I, mean, I think that's how it says it in the Amplified. Just a minute. Let's go there. We'll go to James 5.16, please. And, of course, it starts out with confess your sins and uh, confess to one another, therefore, your your faults, your slips, your faults, steps, your offenses, your sins. I mean, unforgiveness is a big one. Backbiting is another one. Slander is another one. Stop it. Stop it. Strife is another one. There's no place for strife in the body of Christ. We, we should be walking in love. We should be forgiving. Amen? Your your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued, forgot continued is in there, prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power, tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. You know what? That's just worth reading again out of the Amplified. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Amen? Do you want that kind of prayer life? Do you want, the, do you want to see things change in your life? Do you want to see circumstances? Here's an obstacle on your path. Here's an obstacle on your path. Here's an obstacle on your path. You're going down this path. You pray against that and it gets out of your way. You pray against this one and it gets out of your way. The obstacles have to move if they don't line up with the word of God. Amen? If they're, if they're enemy set. Or maybe you messed up You messed up and caused one of those obstacles. And the Lord will reveal it to you and you repent. Clear your path and get going straight with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay. So let's just pray in tongues just for a little bit. We we don't need to do five minutes, but I think it's important that we do that. See, praying in tongues causes your soul, your soul to hunger after God, to hunger after the things of God. Shimmy, shake it, and I'm going to go to the room, 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 and I
It's really important that you find out what God wants you to pray, not what he wants your next door neighbor to pray, not what he wants the church to pray, not what the, he wants the prophet to pray, but it's important you find out what God wants you to pray in Jesus name, you to pray. He's talking to you and your prayer is just as significant and just as important as mine. Amen. Amen. You can move a mountain just like I can move a mountain. God didn't give us this prayer language for us for it to just sit and not be used. He gave it to us to use it and to gain strength with it, to gain um, uh, and, and to be built up in, in our most holy faith, to have the love of God always freely flowing out of us. I mean, there are so many things that praying your prayer language will do. If you don't know what they are, there's a list back there on the wall. Find out what they are. They're all benefits. But don't let it sit dormant. I've told you before, when I pray in my prayer language, I mean business. I'm going somewhere with it. I'm getting some understanding. It's, it's, uh, God's going to talk to me about something, but I, I mean business with it. It's not just something to help me go to sleep. Hallelujah. <laughs> Shibisha 
Mama Kushida, Takidilva, Mawaka, Miamawata, and the Kuchi, Chichabawate, Amakuchi, Sugara, Amakusta, Sagate, the Batobata, Zimbekareta, Batobata, Kitabakora. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Father. 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 Father, we just want to thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made and we rejoice in it. We thank you, Father, that you have that new day rising, the new day rising, the new day rising. And I thank you, Father, that your church is coming alive to the things of God. We just command the church to come forth in Jesus name to take hold of what their part is in this revival, what they're to do. And we just thank you, Father, for that great, great awakening, that great awakening for the church coming alive in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.